Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I have another great guest for you. And first, before I even start to read the bio, I want to say thank you to Casey for last week. I think it was last week. Um, I tried to uh, have Casey on the podcast and um, nope, (laughs) they were, they were there and they were happy. Um, But uh, I was not because I couldn't get to where Casey was. So um, thank you so much for your patience, for your, uh, what a positive attitude Casey had all through that thing, telling me to breathe and calm. It's fine. Perfect. It was just so perfect. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So in In the Gay with God house today, we have Casey Tonnelly. Casey has established a reputation as an innovative and passionate leadership development coach, anti-racism educator, and diverse equity and inclusion DIA, sorry, I'm trying to give you another title, DEI strategist. Casey has been delivering attentive and dedicated program management for 15 plus years, sustaining and guiding community initiatives, striving to support diverse and underserved populations. They are skilled at assisting clients with exploring, examining, and transforming their unconscious biases and deepening their understanding of interpersonal, institutional, individual, and systemic racism. Casey possesses a proven track record of leveraging their excellent interpersonal skills to converse clearly and compassionately and build lasting relationships with individual and organizational clients. Additionally, Casey is an exceptional motivator and collaborator who effectively spearheads improvements for clients that enable their personal and professional growth. Casey's dedication to creating an equitable, free world free of discrimination, knows no bounds, and they will apply all their skills to ensure your goals are achieved. Well, I don't know. (laughs) It is a mouthful, (laughs) but now we're just so happy to have Casey in the Gay With God household. And um, you might hear some dogs barking in the back. Can you hear that? Uh, This is a problem for me and you can't hear it. A little, just a little. little. Somebody just yeah. rang the doorbell, so we're just going to let them understand that I'm not available, and hopefully the dogs will go down, and I'll just increase my little volume here a little bit, and we'll see how that works. Okay, so thank you again for being here. I'm so excited that we've connected. I just love following your social media. I love your energy. I love everything. I just love everything about you. And now right. you're here, and you can tell us your story. So. I know. Just, yeah. just start yeah. anywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Midge, like, also, I feel like last week was such a, like, what a gift for me, right? Because this idea of, like, oh, right. In a world where everything's like, no, fast-paced, immediately, correct and perfect <laughs> five years ago. Uh, to be able to be like, oh, no big deal. Let's take a beat. We'll connect again. Like, I, I love getting to do an opposite action than what most of society expects. Um, and so thank you for that gift. Cause I got oh, well, you're to, welcome. <laughs> to walk in it. Um, yeah, no, I, 
I mean, I think one of the things was like, I was a late bloomer uh, okay. for myself. Um, I grew up, you know, I was born in 78. Uh, I grew up in New York, uh, height of the, you know, AIDS epidemic that was mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and New York was such a, um, a, a hit spot. Uh, and also, I was, my family was deeply Catholic, uh, deeply, deeply Catholic. Um, and, you know, there was just a lot going on. Like, it's not even that simple, right? Like, I mm-hmm. feel like my mom had a lot of, like, untreated mental health stuff going on. Um, and like, I have so much empathy. I'm like, oh my gosh, to be struggling in such a way mm-hmm. in a society and in a time period where it was so stigmatized. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like really seen two options. You were sane or you weren't. And that was it. <laughs> That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> uh, like no nuance and how, you know, because she wasn't receiving the support and the healing that she needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she wasn't able to um, show up in the way of parenting that um, I think like Paul Mark likes to show or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that I would have loved to have received. Um, yes. So that was, those were like multiple contributing factors at the time. And, you know, I was a, I was a Catholic campus minister <laughs> while I was in college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I think it's such a fun thing to like go through a journey of like having had been not just harmed by like religion, Mm. but really destroyed by their believers. Uh, Mm. Mm. It was the believers that really um, kicked my booty uh, Mm -hmm. straight into the closet. Mm. Um, And uh, I didn't come out until I was 25 or so. And how just like, it was all very confusing. My family did not react super well. Mm. Uh, I had, uh, I was doing my second year of AmeriCorps, uh, which is like a volunteer program uh, in Seattle, Washington with the American Red Cross. Mm. And, you know, my year was kind of tick-tacking up, uh, but I was like also looking for a job there because I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And it didn't feel great. Yeah. Um, uh, Pretty much within five minutes of me sending an email uh, to my family, I had a call from my father that was like very, very somber, very concerned, but letting me know that he and my aunt had arranged for a bed to be available for me uh, at one of the local hospitals and they were on their way to come get me. No. Uh, Oh uh my gosh. Our worst fear. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you know. 25 and like I feel very proud of how I responded uh where I was like you let's find me first (laughs) (laughs) good luck with that 2500 miles uh, between us yeah like well good luck with that yeah Um, but I was so fortunate because you know my my Red Cross family at the time word had gotten out throughout the chapter that uh that was not going well for me. Mm-hmm. And I got paged to the front desk. And I got paged to the front desk. Meanwhile, I'm trying to be like, trying, I'm talking to other relatives being like, you need to get on a plane. Uh, and like, uh, I get paged to the front desk. And they're like, hey, we hear, uh, we hear you going through something. They're like, turn around. And I turn around to the front door. And there's like 25 to 30 of my colleagues being like, we're going to take you for a drink. 
which like I am a consumer. So like that is an appropriate response. Um, and I was like, well, oh, oh, okay. Uh, and people were just like, oh, God, this seems really hard. Good for you. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like my, you know, the, the disconnect between what was happening in my like lived environment in Seattle versus like what was happening from like where I had been raised and grown yeah, right. in New York was like super confusing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I like to consider that was like the first time I came out. Uh, and then like a few years later when I was like, wait, gender doesn't have to be binary. Uh, <laughs> Um, when I was 30, I was 30 when that happened. So, um, I actually didn't come out about the second thing. Well, I tried to a couple of times, but that didn't go super either. Uh, mm. and, uh, I mean, to this day, nobody in my family will use my pronouns or my name. Uh, I mean, but I don't talk to most of them anyway, so that's fine. Well, when you say it's fine and, and I think you have risen above it. I mean, you have solidified your authenticity you know who you are how has that landed though with the with the emotional part of you did you ever have that that feeling of longing for more of a, a family connection for for unconditional love absolutely I mean without mm -hmm. a doubt and and I feel like there's sprinkles of that that still present itself mm -hmm. but in different ways mm -hmm. um and I think that I was just so enveloped in the narrative mm -hmm. of like um well if your family doesn't love you uh or like then it's a you thing a number one and and b that meant like you know and at the time the, the tie with like being an abomination and going back to school yes. uh, you know i was 12 the first time I, my mom and my aunt sat me down after school uh, and like in the kitchen and they were like under absolutely no under no circumstances are you allowed to be um and it rhymes with maggot um I mean I guess I was 12 right and I was like oh yeah. <laughs> what uh also like there's not always food in the house I had I kind of have some bigger concerns uh yeah yeah <laughs> And and also like that stream just got so deeply embedded in me. Yeah. yeah. So that feeling of not enoughness, right? Mm, like that like, mm. well, I'm not good enough to be loved by my family. Well, I'm too broken and I'm too this to like be loved by anybody. Um, God's horribly disappointed in me. Uh, mm. uh that like all of those thoughts were kind of just yeah, running through me. And for a mm -hmm. solid, like probably from the time I was like oh, I don't know, 17 to 29, I was just scrambling to do everything I could to be mm -hmm. lovable enough mm -hmm. uh, for family members, right? And like, I would mm -hmm. fly back home, I would make surprises, I would try to show up in the big moments. Mm -hmm. um, but like, ultimately, I mean, like, you know, time is such a funny thing. Right? So yeah. People like exacerbate that pain. Uh, but it also mm -hmm. like, there are opportunities for like healing, breaking narratives, transforming thoughts, all those things. But I was also like, as as toxic as my family was, I had two amazing women in my life. My grandmother, uh, who was like, I mean, even when we all didn't like each other, everyone loved her. Right? <laughs> like she was our matriarch. She was the boss. Um, and then an aunt of mine who had married into the family that um, 
I had gotten kicked out of my house when I was 17 and I was like couch surfing and like for a while I was staying at my grandma's and then my mom's mom it was like so wild right like my mom's mom was calling up my dad's mom and like pulling her out and telling her like terrible things right like that her husband was rolling in the grave because she was allowing me to sleep there um, oh man oh man you know what I mean just not healthy right no I think that's one of the things of distance you get to is you're like hmm, hmm. there are other ways of existing mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and uh but the two, those two women, like my grandma, I mean, I have her name. When she passed away, I tattooed her signature to my heart. Because uh, she is the one that I'm on. She's the one I check in with. You know, mm -hmm. she's very devoutly Catholic, went to mass every day, even with everything else. Like, I just always like, was like her. Like, that's mm -hmm. what, that's what like whole love, goodness, mm -hmm. embodied looks like, like looks and mm -hmm. feels like. Mm -hmm. And so I was always very fortunate that I had her um, who always made me feel loved, always mm -hmm. made me feel loved and cared for no matter what. Um, mm -hmm. And fun fact, my one favorite aunt, um, he was the one who talked my father and aunt out of uh, having me committed. Oh. Um, but she also was like, you know, sometimes when, like a parent learns something that uh, that scares them, they mm -hmm. just want to see that you're okay. Mm -hmm. uh, they, she was like, so maybe like you can let them visit you and see that you're completely fine. And I was like, yeah. Then I got a call um, from my father that was like, oh, you know, grandma's insisting on coming. And so, you know, funny enough, my dad and my aunt were like strategizing of like, how could they have this conversation with me if like, but grandma's there and they don't want grandma to know. <laughs> um, and I was like, and I also like was sick at the time. So I was like, this oh. is like not awesome. But my, um, there was like a little cafe around the corner from where I was living. And my dad and my aunt were like, we're just, we just each want one-on-one -on -one time with you. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my grandma was like, me too. One-on-one -on -one time with you. And I was like, okay. And, you know, my dad is like, uh, you know, I know your mom loved, never loved you. And I was like, this is very confusing because it feels like messed up messaging. But also, now you can say it. When I said that for years, you would like, no, that's not true. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Trickery. Uh, it's all trickery. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know my aunt wasn't like um had been a uh, uh what did she do she did something within uh like the prison system and so she was like interrogating me she's like when was the first time you knew and i was like you know and like i'm not trying to be open with you you're trying to commit me right. um, <laughs> and she's like what well, you can't be you can't be because everybody that i know who is knew from the day they were born and i was like me uh it's not my case right <laughs> i wish uh, i had then, known i think i wish i like, had known <laughs> merciful zeus then i got to have like alone time with my grandma my grandma was like oh honey i know why we're here ah uh, why do you think i'm here exactly like, but we can't let them know because then they're gonna like, she's like you know at this point 
it's a little bit like they're coming at you because of like saying that, like, you're going to break my heart. You're not. I'm fine. I love you. Uh, and she's mm -hmm. like, and for me, they're already trying to strip away all my independence. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was like, let this be between you and me. And anytime that like they're either saying something to me about you, I'll know it's bullshit. And anytime they're saying something to you about what I would think, you know, that's not true. Uh, and I was like, deal. Uh, nice. What so a godsend she has been. Oh, man. Oh, man. She was the best. And and also, like, I think that I had this really painful but beautiful moment that really helped as well. Uh, and like I said, it still took me like 20 years to really unpack a mm -hmm. lot of different things. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I was still going to mass every week. Um, and uh, this was after I had uh, finished college and um, and I just was struggling. I was just really struggling. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, uh oh, <laughs> there's, there's it's coming to this point moment that I that I can't deny this anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I was terrified and uh, so scared and so um, just afraid of being a disappointment to like mm -hmm. everyone and God. Mm -hmm. uh, and myself, you know, and all the mm -hmm. things. And I so I so I drove uh 45 minutes away to a town that had a church uh where nobody knew me. Uh and this was at the time too where a lot of like churches uh or faith institutions had their doors open. Uh-huh. And uh so I just went in, sat, sat down in, in front of a giant statue. Uh, and cried and cried and cried, mm -hmm. and cried and I was just bawling um and this priest came and sat next to me and it almost sounds like a like it could be a joke but uh like he sat down right next to me and he was like you doing okay and I was like obviously not mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and this is New York this is New York I, I think that's important context um <laughs> and he he was like, do you want the bottom line? Uh, and I was like, yeah, I really would love that. And he was like, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole to other people and don't be an asshole to yourself. And if you can follow those two, you'll probably be okay. Wow. I was like, this I can get down with. Like, this I understand. Uh <laughs> I can do that. I cannot be an asshole. So keeping it simple got it okay like operate from like a place of generosity of spirit and care for humanity oh. and love those are things i can do um we were just talking about this today i i actually taped another podcast this morning with flamey grant i don't know if you know flamey grant okay or know of flamey grant and we talked about disappointing people and that we were always told that or some people were told they were a disappointment and some people just got the feeling of always being a disappointment and not living up to what the expectations were of us and our life and how we would turn out. And, and we came to the conclusion that, you know, it's none of their business that we're, of course, we're a disappointment and Flamey is encouraging us now to, to rally the disappointment, to be okay with being a disappointment because we never should ever have to because there's that should word um yeah. measure up to somebody else's expectation because it is our life 
it is our life with our the God of our understanding and who wherever that falls for us. It doesn't matter what's the most important thing if all of religions across the world love. Yep. No matter who the radicals are on either side, the common denominator between all faiths, all people is how do you treat people? Don't be an asshole. I love that. We should get t-shirts. I'm a disappointment, but I'm not an asshole. <laughs> I mean, it's really good, right? Or like, I like to like tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm an imperfect human. Yeah. Uh, I am likely going to make mistakes. I might even hurt your feelings, but I promise you, if you tell me that I did, I'm going to change my behavior and you're going to get a meaningful apology from me. Yes. Uh, like, I think it's one of the things too that actually led into this work, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, I had been in survival mode for so long. Um, I had to get a restraining order against my mom. I uh, like Aww. very, like not great. Uh, and I had just been kind of hustling and hustling and hustling mm -hmm. and surviving for so long um, that like I didn't even know that I could A, stop or B, like what safety felt like. Until um, um, I was sitting in a race-based caucus. Um, and I could feel like I was listening to, um, you know, we had been in mixed race space and, you know, people had uh, like been saying some things like, how long is it going to take me for me to repeat myself before you hear me? Um, uh, right. And these were some of the, the folks of color in the space. And then we like broke out into like, like race-based groups. And so I was like in the white group and people were like, well, I just don't feel safe in this conversation. And I, it wasn't the first time I had heard it, but I think it was the first time I felt hearing it, like mm -hmm. felt it in a way, which is reflective of like, I had had enough time to heal that my nervous system was actually able to relax enough in those right. spaces. Right? right. And then hearing that, and I was like, well, I don't know what unsafe is. I've had a person who I love deeply try to kill me many a times. This doesn't feel like that. Yeah, no, well, and it was interesting to be in that kind of like race-based caucus space because, you know, people were saying things like, I don't feel safe. And I was like, mm -hmm. like, I know what unsafety, like that kind of threat feels like. Yes. Different. Um, and then also, I think when somebody was like, how many times do I have to say something before you believe me or you mm -hmm. hear me? And I was like, uh-oh, I can relate to that too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Not just with coming out, but with some of the stuff that was happening in my my childhood home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, including like, I remember, uh, like I was talking to my priest and I was like, I'm worried about mommy, uh, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I had shared some of the things that were going on in our home, he called her. Oh God. Um, and that didn't work out great for me. No, I'm sure uh, not. No. And and I think that there is this piece of like I was hearing things in communities and like work um racial justice work that I was like, well, not remotely the same. Mm -hmm. But but there's elements that I'm I'm understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm able to be like, wait, wait, wait. You don't feel heard now. I now I want to hear everything, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You don't feel believed. I want I want to acknowledge that, right? Like because mm -hmm. I think that like I had known that feeling of being uh, dismissed, invisibilized, threatened, like really with a life threatening circumstances, and then recognizing how I was able to to change my circumstances. By the time I was like 
27. Uh, mm-hmm. And like some people are like, they're like, they've been doing this for generations and like thinking about coal. Um, and it really changed my life. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it really changed my life because it, it had me leaning in in a different way because I had been able to receive like an attain a level of personal liberation, right? At least energetically and mm-hmm. um uh and I want that for everybody <laughs> right? <laughs> to not live under threat, to yes. not live under fear, to yes. not have all of those shoulda, woulda, couldas running through our heads that basically tell us that we're not enough mm-hmm. and, and, and we're more than enough, right. And I, and I, it's, it's funny because for earlier in my career, um, when I was working in emergency management, I was tasked with being the faith-based outreach person. Mm. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm like, I could burst into flames. Somebody else might burst into flames. I don't know. Like it's a safety issue again. Mm. Um, and I was so terrified because I, I was like, I'm writing people, I'm having these phone calls, they're great. When they see me in person, what is this going to be like? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this was up in the Northwest. Uh, so I was up in, in Seattle, Washington at the time. And, you know, ultimately really beautiful things happened, right? Like I ended mm-hmm. up having these like four kind of group forums where like I got to bring people together uh, we got to like stay in touch and continue things. Um, but it was really cool at the events because you would have like we had a woman who came in like a, a full burqa uh, sitting next to somebody um, from one of the synagogues uh, sitting. Uh, and then both of them were like the singulars of, of, of each with a with a number of like faith based leaders from like local churches. Um, and, you know, and I am like thumb biting it and I am like thumb biting it. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh God, I hope this all goes okay. In this beautiful thing, like people were sharing resources. They were mm. like, oh, we had to develop a phone tree uh, to do X, Y, and Z. We'll happen. We can show you how we did that. Like people were sharing ideas and sharing resources, including the fact that some of the churches that were more resource were turning to some of the faith-based communities who had didn't have a brick and mortar location and kind of rotated spaces. And they were like, when do you, when do you worship? Not when you use our space. And like, I was like, you're basically literally handing over keys to the kingdom. This is everything I could have dreamed of. <laughs> That's right. right. Like, That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and so, but in, to do my own due diligence, like that was also like the year, like the, when I was getting started, I read the Torah. Mm-hmm. I read the Quran. I read, uh, I was reading a number of like Buddhist works. But that is as far as I went. I could have done more, but I did not. Um, and I was like, isn't this funny? Like a lot of the foundational stuff is the same. Mm-hmm. Take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Right? If you have a lot, don't be greedy. Help help spread it out. Uh, right? If you If you have extra space or time, how can you support in another area where like maybe another group of people or some of the folks that are part of your work little community or without uh and i was like i'm sensing themes and it's often not the stuff that i'm hearing uh Mm -hmm. spoken out loud Mm -hmm. um and it was just i mean it was such a beautiful experience because i feel like uh i was very scared when i was invited to to go um 
to a Latter-day Saint event. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and this person was like, hey, I saw you the floor of them. And I was like, oh, we like me. <laughs> and like, you know, so I ended up like people had questions. A couple of people couldn't make it. But sometimes I was like, I'll come back. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if people are interested, I will come back and we can kind of talk about like preparedness and staying safe. And, um, and then like, I shared a story about how I always love to go the day after Halloween to buy light sticks because they're like 75% off. So uh, for anybody <laughs> out there. Um, and they mailed me a package of light sticks that they had gotten like after um, Halloween. And like, I just was like, that's so kind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, hey, I got invited to this this mosque um, and it was like so delightfully authentic because there was a real challenge in the beginning of like, well, nobody was quite sure what to do with my gender and I was not trying to come out about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like trying to figure out like, well, how do we share this with everybody when we don't always allow the same folks to be in the same spaces? Um, and it got to be a dialogue. Uh, and it just like there was just so much in it that like I got a lot of healing from mm-hmm. getting to do that work because I, I got to like all as like all the narratives I've heard that I've heard about this group or that group or whatever mm-hmm. and what I'm experiencing is totally different uh, and it was such a healing healing thing to also get to realize like right you can take any categorized group of and you're going to have like amazing humans, mediocre humans. Yes. And some trash humans. Yes. Uh, like, and, and that like that mixture really exists everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so like that, it, it, that was a really healing thing for me was to be able to like develop, like, what does my own relationship look like in that way? Yeah. I think when I tried to go back to church, people were shocked that I would want to go back with everything that I had been through. And, but for me, it was like reclaiming what I felt was stolen from me. You know, when we grow up in, in systems that are so closed and so narrow focused, and then we finally begin to see other people living authentically and having it be so beautiful and knowing that that's possible, leaning back into church was terrifying for me but you know it only took that one person there was a priest at the episcopal church in my little town here in the south Mm -hmm. that you know i met that said and i talked to him probably for an hour and a half in a coffee shop that's where he held his office hours he put a little plaque on the table in the coffee shop prayers and conversations (laughs) and so that's when he scheduled to have me come in and so i went to the coffee shop and that was so less threatening than to go into an office and um and basically for an hour and a half, I tried to trip him up and and have him tell me that he thought I was going to hell because I just wanted to cut off this idea, you know, just cut it off. Mm-hmm. And we just continued to have a really open conversation at the bottom line. He finally said, OK, here's the bottom line. I don't think you're going to hell. And I don't think God does either. And I don't think the Bible preaches that. He said, not not the way 
before the way it was misinterpreted a million times. And so, you know, he went back to the original Greek. He talked about the different translations. He talked about who was in charge of trans. He did all of that. And he's like, you're just not going to go for that at all. <laughs> you like, know, oh. it's so, and like, I, you remember the movie to the Bible tells me so. Yes. Whoa. I foolishly, I mean, like, I mean, foolishly was like, still, you know, struggling. I was like, I had already come out. It had been a few years. I was a little bit more, but I was still just struggling so much with like mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much that was inside of me. And I was like, oh, I want to go check this out. Not thinking at all, like, what if this isn't a movie that's like fine uh, to the to the queer B people, right? Um, ooh, uh, <laughs> so, but I had bought a ticket, and I was like, well, it's too late now. Here, here I am, mm-hmm. um, and I sat next to this woman, although I kept like a chair between us because I was like, I don't know, this could go bad. Um, this woman who was like in her seventies. And, and like everybody was just spaced out. Like there was a lot of people in the theater, but nobody was sitting next to each other. Uh, so I was like, I don't think I'm alone in my like that assessment. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. um, and then obviously that's not what the film is. Um, <laughs> and so naturally, at various different points, somebody's bawling in the mm-hmm, theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the woman next to me um, started to cry, mm. and like I didn't know what was going on, so I just like reached my hand out, like to see if she wanted to grab it, and um, and she did, and then just lost it. And it was like at this part where she was like, "I turned my kid away," and he ended up hurting himself uh, and taking his life, and uh, you know, and then her and I were hugging. And I was like, and now she's like a freaking champion. Like she's out there, she's in the streets. She talks to, you know, she was like, she's like, now I do it. And I talk to all the electeds, like she's out there. Um, and, or she was out there. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was such a healing thing for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like feeling like, um, I remember like not long before that, my father was out in Seattle for work and he was like, you know, you know, I could, I could give you a little bit of money if you want to uh, stay out here. And I was like, I'll do that for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> older me now, though, I kicked my booty and being like, oh, I could have taken it. Uh, but like prideful me was like, nope, I'm actually good right here. Uh, feel fine about it. But um, yeah, which was, it was interesting to kind of go from like, wow, you're talking about like he was grieving something that I was like, tangentially experiencing right um and uh you know i mean i was told that i wasn't welcome in people's homes anymore and i was told i mm-hmm. couldn't come to events uh, i wasn't allowed to be around any person under 21 in the uh vicinity mm-hmm. um and so like to get to have some of those moments of like real authentic open pain Right. Like mm-hmm. maybe there were people in my family making decisions rooted in fear, maybe uh, fear, ignorance, usually not a great combo. Right. Um, you know, but like to instead be in these like intimate, painful moments with people who potentially five years ago, we would have been on opposite sides. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. just exquisite. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so I feel like I got to have like between being the person who was responsible for faith-based outreach, getting to have that like lovely moment with a number of strangers uh, that I just like, I had these beautiful moments that I think were anchoring me in the truth of what I believe yeah, uh, and the truth of what I felt. Uh, mm-hmm. And that it made me not feel alone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it made me not feel like wrong uh, mm-hmm. in, in that way. But I think mm-hmm. also like the other piece with time was figuring out like what are spiritual practices or things that like, I don't want to give up. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, what if I can just redefine how certain things look or like how they're practiced or what they mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that all felt uh, felt really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Make it sound like it happened overnight and with a light switch, but no. Yeah, was, no, uh, it's a journey. <laughs> we <laughs> all know it's a journey. And and I think that's I think that's beautiful that we look at ways that and I think I did too, even though I couldn't say the, the word God because it brought such condemnation and the feelings of, of unworthiness up, I would say creator of all that is. You know, I knew that there was something, I believe that there is something that, that created all of this because two rocks clacking together never made sense to me. So I think it is intricate. I think it is by design. Um but I couldn't use the word God. And I too leaned into, you know, reading about Buddhism and, and other kind of ways to be spiritual, not religious. But there's that, that, that pull in my soul that kept saying, and yet I still didn't feel empowered because I was afraid to go back. Whether I stayed or didn't stay, I didn't want to feel that they had stolen something from me and yet I was now afraid to go back and reclaim it because that was my my power to have that. If I wanted it, I should be able to have it. And so, you know, that's what that's what started that journey back because I was I lost my job and I was recreating myself from being a therapist to an online coach and wanting to wanting to be a, a voice for our community. And it was empowering awakened hearts was the <laughs> was the name of my mm-hmm. business, which was, I thought, awfully infirm, uh, affirming. And and then one day I was, you know, getting ready to do some stuff and I was looking at my logo and I thought, well, I'm not empowered <laughs> when it comes to, to church. You know, I felt that disconnect yeah. between what I was going to offer people and who I was in this one part of my life. I was empowered in a lot of ways, but not in the way that brought me the most pain. And it was in that pain that I needed to reclaim something and leaning back into church, even though the priest had said, it's fine and you're going to be fine. I still, I was scared. And so the the name of my memoir, instead of gay with God, reclaiming my faith, honoring my story was going to be gay with God, returning to the pew without puking because (laughs) it was just like the hardest thing in the world. But for those of us who feel that nudge, that pull to either reclaim the faith or to be able to be with a body of people that worship in openness and diversity, that that can wash away a lot of how we've held on to things, you know? Yeah. I, you know, and it's so funny because I, I talk a lot, like in a lot of spaces where I'll be like, you know, in the deity of your choice. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think that like there's a, such a distinction between faith and religion. 
Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And I always think there's this piece of like faith is beautiful, right? Like faith is beautiful. You get connected to something larger than yourself. You have something to ground and root. Maybe when things are going well, you have things to catch you. You have someone who catches you, or something who catches yes. you. You're falling or you're struggling. You have guidance for your your moral compass. Yeah, selectiveness by being with others, right? Like, I want that for everyone, however it looks, right? Like, however folks choose that, they mm-hmm. think it's not uncommon, like a lot of things, man, uh, and by that I mean the human, uh, has a tendency to really muck things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, often with those things like a desire for power, Yes. Greed, yes. Uh, inability of like wanting, desiring control. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I often feel so confused by that, where I'm like, oh man, I don't care what you do. Uh, like, really, as long as you were not like forcing your dog to like snort heroin. Right. Uh, like, as long as we're not going to those extremes. I do not care. Why are you obsessed with me? Or like <laughs> our community? Why are you so obsessed? <laughs> That's right. Genitalia a lot, and I find that concerning. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. Like, um, and so I think that like having to untangle some of that of like recognizing that faith is not dictated by one to two individuals uh, mm-hmm. or people over time who have like constructed things. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith is so much more expansive and robust than that. Um, and that, you know, I always think there's this piece of like, if you can heal, uh, if you can heal, like, don't give up the things that, that mattered to you. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. right. Um, and like, I will never go to a Catholic church again. And I also respect people who want to. Right. right. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the way it has to be. Although some people get really freaked out about it. You know, like I, I lost friends um, when I was younger. Well, as I was coming out, I lost church friends because I went to a Christian college. And um, so though many of those friends I lost when I came out as gay, when I went back to church as an adult, I lost gay friends because I was going back to the dark side of church. And I get that. Oh, cute. Um, I get that. I'm seeing a puppy in case anybody wants to know. <laughs> so so I'm, ex- I'm obsessed. Um, but I think that being able to honor where we are in that space, you know, and that's why I always use the phrase, the God of my understanding, because God means something different to everyone. And it doesn't have to be the word God. It doesn't have to be anything. It could be nature. It could be whatever is, is what is in your comfort zone. But I do think it's interesting that there's that pushback from the religious community against our community. And then there's a pushback against our LGBTQI plus community, because it's almost like they want us all to do the same thing, forgetting that we are all individuals (laughs) and we've never been able to do the same thing. It's, it has to be different for all of us because it's our own lived experience. Yeah. Well, and also like, I think about, again, like, why would I ever want to take something that feels like a comfort or a guide purpose for somebody? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want them to do that to me. Right. Um, Right. And, and I also think that, 
I think there's always a there's there's of course different degrees of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember I had a I had a relative who used to carry holy water with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, would like sneak it behind me and like throw it on my neck. Oh my um, goodness! Oh my goodness! I was like, "What is wrong with you? Like, what yeah. is this? Like, you're not even being direct, you stinky devil." Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, I I I think that that there's that piece of like, you know, when we talk about being in a society that's like theoretically ruled with like freedoms, liberties, mm-hmm. um, that like really, in the, if if that's the reality, then like how I believe should is fine. How you believe is fine. What mm-hmm. I believe is fine, right? It's not about like, well, unless you're believing in the same way that I do and exactly mm-hmm. the way that you do, um, it doesn't count. That mm-hmm. just feels, um, oh God, it just feels, uh, again, falling in line with one of those bad things of like an internalized superiority. Yes, uh, yes. You know, uh, yeah. and, and I think that there's this piece of like, it's, I get it. I get that that it is sometimes terrifying to be vulnerable mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. especially when you're so used to having armor up to navigate things mm-hmm. uh, that like leaning into a conversation like this like might be like uh-uh that's okay but that's okay uh and if that's what you got to do to take care of you and your heart and your safety like do it mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. it's 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 then when it like points outward then we start pointing at each other and being mm-hmm. like well you are a bad gay. You are not getting yeah. the yearly <laughs> bonuses. <laughs> I just feel like, and then I get, I get, I just think of like how we, like one of the things that I hurt so much from growing up with like in Catholicism was the amount of shame that I had. I had so much shame. Um, mm. So why would I? Why would I then want to be engaging with somebody where that's what I'm doing to them? Right. Potentially. Yes. Right. Yes. It's potentially shaming them. Yes. Um, and there's too much of that already in the world. Mm. I would much rather just be like, what does God mean for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I want to hear that. I want to like, I love watching people get lit up talking about things that are important to them. Yeah. Um, and that includes faith. Uh, even if it's like, I'm probably not going to be coming to your holiday event, you still feel excited that you get to have that and it brings you joy. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think, and this, this always comes out at one point or another in, in many of the discussions is that faith and fear together create radical pain for everyone. And that's where our families who were taught that fear-based faith and un- not understanding that when it says fear God, it's not talking about be afraid of. It's talking about awe and respect. But yet they have they have created so much fear around God and loving God and being being accountable for every little thing that we have no reason to be accountable for but that that is what drives i think our families crazy especially in catholicism where everything is like super maxed out on shame and guilt and all that i mean that's like the superpower church of guilt i I loved what robin williams would say about the episcopalians is that their uh catholic light 
half, yes. half all the liturgy, half the guilt. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, oh man. And I just, I feel like there's this piece too of like, you know, I, I, I've talked to my partner about like, you know, I also feel like I, now I am at a place that I can also look back and be like, well, that felt so special to have like place I could go, mm-hmm. uh, you know, multiple times a week. Um, and where like I felt comfort, even if not always belonging. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Or um, like I like one of the things we do in our home is like I used to love the Advent calendar. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Love them. Uh and so now for like 28 days before solstice, we kind of do that. Oh, cool. Um, but it's it's around gratitude. And so like in the center or like uh in the of the wreath, we we have like a, a thing we keep and like every day we write down what we're grateful for. And so that then on solstice, we actually dump it all out and we're like, look at this abundance. Uh-huh. Look at this abundance we get to live with. I'm like, it's so powerful. And it like taps into that like memory of the ritual mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. that like I really enjoyed. Um and like it gets to look a little bit different. Yeah. Um, so reframing those traditions and being able yeah. to bring them into a place from feeling squished to feeling expansive. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's a great idea. I like it. I like it very much. I mean, like I was telling my partner that like this year, I think I want to actually learn how to braid songs. Okay. I was like, I always thought that was the coolest thing when I was younger. And like, you know, they'd give us like one. You could have one. Uh, And there's like just, I mean, I'm sure people who are more skilled. uh, I I can't do it. Like a whole outfit with that thing yeah, uh, no, but I no. can't and like, like I kind of want to learn how to there you go like, there you go like that piece of like well that interest is still there that's right uh, I don't have that's to right that no so, no well that's the whole thing and and father Joe had said that to me too as I was leaning in and he said don't give up anything you're doing that's working it doesn't matter he says whatever you're doing if it's working for you bring it with you and you may add to that. You may take some things that you find here and not adhere to it. You may take some things you're doing and, and say, oh, I don't need that anymore, or I want to do it this way now. So he said, it's yeah. all part of who you are. It's part of your journey. There's nothing you need to be upset about. He did say that my BA in theology was really more of a <laughs> BA in bad doctrine, but and and I agree with him now. <laughs> And again, like, I always think that thing is that piece of like, it also just goes to show there's so much information out there in a variety of directions. Yes, Um, yes. And that, you know, again, like, because it is like such an intimate personal relationship, yeah. uh, you kind of, you have to figure out kind of like, what's the thing that makes me feel most embodied and creative. Yes, Uh, yes. And so, uh, you know, I love, I love that he, he has brought you over. To, to his, <laughs> his um, and then he, then and, he left. <laughs> oh, well, not, not enough. This is what happened. Let me tell you the story about when my next book is going to be gay with God, the adventures of a, a lesbian Aries. But, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so after mm-hmm. I came to church as a gay person, 
I darkened the doors. And then we had a, a mold issue in the church and we had to start having services at the funeral home. And then our priest got sick and he had multiple, multiple um, surgeries and then wound up having to have a liver transplant. And we had a pandemic. And don't you think that the guilt of my youth didn't pop into my now very adult brain that should know better and think, oh my God, I've caused all of this because the gay girl went back to church. <laughs> I mean, it's deep, right? Like th those messages sometimes are real deep. It is lovely when you can kind of be like, find the humor in it. Uh, um, well, really, we have to, right? If you don't laugh at the, some of the stuff that you've been through and what a lot of us have been through, we would be already probably checking our own selves into some place. But... Agreed. Agreed. Well, and I told my partner, I was like, you know, it's so funny, though, too, because like something I always felt really grateful for. Um, I was like, I don't care what comedy show you watch, what like what's the funniest thing you've seen. Nothing is funnier than when it happens during service. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, I, some guy was sitting in front of me, like, he sat on one of the donation envelopes and the adhesive, he had been sitting on it so long, melted mm. and stuck to his pants. <laughs> and so he's going up and down and up and down, and the envelope's going with him. And I am just like <laughs> on my knees, just like trying, pretending I'm praying, but bouncing up and down really hard. Uh, I was like, you just can't stop. I remember, and like, Sister Phyllis came up and tapped me on the shoulder and told me to leave. Uh, and like, I was like, man, some of those memories just felt like mm. so, like, good moments, right? Like, good moments. <laughs> um, and you know, and I think that that piece of like, I definitely needed a good bit of time. Yeah. Uh, before I could start leaning back in the oh, conversation, sure. even thinking about it, or even having reverence for the the positive that came mm. with mm. the harm. Um, but then once I was able to get there, it like just opened everything up. Oh, absolutely. Um, and because uh, then now you it, own it. And you can redefine it. We don't have to throw it out. We can just re reframe it to who we are now and what we loved about that piece of it. Not the whole thing. Whatever piece that brings you joy now and however you can put it into your life. And I think about like, you know, how I had such a daily, you know, morning, mm -hmm. evening, often middle of the day prayer routine. Right. And, and how not doing that for so many years actually had a, had a, had a cost to me yes. where I was like, Oh my God, when I prayed for forgiveness, which again, I was Catholic. So I prayed mm -hmm. all the time for forgiveness um, in every direction, uh, that I was able to practice forgiveness of self. Yeah. Uh, right. Because I was putting it out there. I was putting it in hands. I was like, you know, accepting and that how my like self forgiveness practice took a hit. Mm -hmm. When I stopped mm -hmm. engaging in my mm -hmm. ritual prayer, um, and just thinking about about that, right? Of like, it was like a permanent therapist. Like it was like twenty four better help, twenty four hour better help. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> got to get somebody on the phone right now. Uh, and that, like, why should I give up that kind of a practice? Like, that's right. Where I get to have yeah. like, like looking for hope, looking for guidance, looking to yeah. looking for forgiveness, looking to like let go of shame. Yes. Um, 
And so I think that that was one of the most powerful pieces too, is that a lot of religions have a lot in common mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of the foundations are the same and it, and it is okay to like talk about the harms and then also like, and maybe when ready, also looking at like, was there anything that brought you joy? Right. That anything that made you feel connected? Mm-hmm. Um, and how mm-hmm. do you... You know, I always think of Maxine Waters from back in that day, day, a few years ago, where she was like reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Uh, And I feel that way. I'm like, oh, I'm reclaiming my spirit. Like I get to reclaim my spirit. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I have loved this conversation. I have loved this conversation. And I hope that we can have more. Um, I really do, because I'm sure that there are lots of places that we can still explore and grow and and be with one another. So this has just been delightful, Casey. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you, Midge. This was great. I really appreciated getting to have this conversation. And I look forward to uh, however this evolves from here. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you? Uh, So my website is... uh, um, beyond thinking with Casey.com. And it's really about beyond thinking about equity. <laughs> um, a lot of people have developed intellectual understandings and it's a little bit like once you can embody it, then you can start moving more authentically in the work. And so I support people through coaching, facilitation, training sometimes. Uh, but really anybody who's ever feeling a little lost in the conversation, I welcome them reaching out. Uh, because I had a lot of support and guidance when I was getting into this work. And I feel like the way I get to honor that is being there for others. Uh, so that's beautiful. Yep. Check out the website. Uh, yeah. That's really the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay. Awesome. And I will have all of those things on the show page, guys, at Gay With God show page, empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Also check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly group entitled My Faith Journey, Nothing Is Off Limits. (laughs) And we laugh a whole lot in there, by the way. Um, And instead of the Ask Me Anything that I was doing to get you guys prepared for the memoir, now we're actually going to change that and continue to meet because nobody wanted to stop meeting. And we're just going to have a Gay With God book club. So if you have the book, and you want to join the book club come on in and find us all on the gay with god uh, facebook that that's where we all are we're hanging out there so if you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the god of your understanding if you identify as lgbtqia plus or not even sure if you're gay god has always been within you in whatever way that you believe that god is even when you didn't know it you have always been gay with god Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4 
a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.